Hey guys, welcome back to the Facts or Facts podcast. Have to do an emergency podcast. Debo Samuel wants out from the 49ers, which means in the 21st century, what that means is that he's going to get traded within the next week before the draft. Like there's a 90% certainty that he will get traded before the draft next week. The reason for that is because the Niners will be able to get the most bang for the buck with him. And they want, they have a roster that can win right now. Now, Debo was an absolute huge part of that winning because he was a huge part of the offense. And without them, they have no shot at all at winning in the NFC. They just have zero shot. Like, look at the games that mattered. The final game against the Rams, he played great. The final game against the Packers, he ends up having huge runs against the Packers to help them win that game. Moving forward, without him, they're an irrelevant team. They're a team with good defense. They don't have a good quarterback at all. And they don't really have a ton of weapons on that team. They got George Kittle, but he's hurt half the time. Like, they're in trouble if they lose Debo. And they're going to lose Debo. So now the question is, how much can you get back for him? And in my opinion, like, Brandon Ayuk's a good player. But you should go out and draft another, you know, wide receiver or something to to help offensively. Obviously, your defense is stacked. Everybody knows that. What you do to teams defensively is, is just painful, honestly. Uh, but, man, you're going to lose Debo Samuel. I mean, that's a huge piece of your puzzle for winning if you're a Niners fan. Having said that, look, there's still hope for the Niners. They still got pieces on defense, like I said. They still have an offense that is missing a couple of pieces. They really need a good quarterback, and Trey Lance is not going to be that guy. I'll make that, and I'll eat my words in a couple of years if he turns out to be the next, you know, Russell Wilson or something, let's say. But... As of right now, I don't think Trey Lance is that guy. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan thinks he's that guy either. Otherwise, he would have had more starts this previous year. You can't tell me that he shouldn't have started over Jimmy G a few times. Look, Jimmy G had one of the worst starts to the season. Uh, you know, that would have been a great time to get Trey Lance a lot more a lot more starts and a lot more, you know, touches. Jimmy G played well the last six games of the season, which really helped him get into the playoffs. Um but at the beginning of the season when he was struggling, man, Trey Lance should have been the guy. He really should have. I guess it's a good thing that he didn't because Jimmy G did play well down the stretch and ended up, you know, solidifying the spot that he had. But reality is, is that if they believed in Trey Lance, they would have given him a shot. Now, can he get better between last year and this coming year? Absolutely. And I think he will. Does Kyle Shanahan believe in him? I mean, we're going to find out, and we're going to find out whether he should believe in him or not. Because reality is, who cares if your coach believes in you? If your your coach can believe in whatever he wants to, but if you don't prove him to be, you know, or give him a reason to believe in you, then what's the point? So I don't think Trey Lance is that guy. We know Jimmy G's not that guy. That's been proven time and time again. Jimmy G kind of, you know, he's good enough for what he is, which is hand off to a good running back, you know, make a couple of short passes here and there. But he's definitely not the guy that that is going to help you. That's going to help carry you to a championship, which he doesn't have to be. The Niners don't need that. They have a solid defense and a good running game. Part of that, obviously, with Debo Samuel. But um, I just don't see that team getting anywhere close to an NFC Championship game again, unless they go out and make some big moves. Now, you know, you go and trade Debo, and we're going to play the have. Let's have fun with where Debo could go in just a second game. Um, but as of right now, I mean, look. Obviously, if I'm the if I'm the Niners, obviously I want to try and get. I'm going to get a first round pick for him in this in this year's draft. The question is, like, if you traded him, let's just say, for instance, 
if you traded him to the Chiefs, because you're not going to want to trade him in, in conference, right? You don't want him going to the Packers, let's say, and putting him with Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers just lost his best weapon in Devontae Adams. You don't want to hand him a, a freak athlete like Debo Samuel. Like, you just don't want that. Um, so you're not going to trade him in conference. So if you're not going to trade him in conference, let's just say, like, for instance, he goes to, you know, the Chiefs. They just lost Tyree Kill. What better way to replace Tyree Kill than with Debo Samuel? Okay, so let's just say that you put Debo Samuel. If I'm the Niners, I want both their first-round picks and maybe even a third-round pick. Um, I'm going to take both their first-round picks because they're at the end of the first round. But if you can trade with somebody like I was just listening to Rich Eisen because he had Tom Pelissero on. We're going to talk about why Debo wants out in just a second. But, uh, you know, if he goes to the Jets, if I'm the Niners, I'm asking for number four overall. If they can't give me four, I want number 10, and I want their second round pick. I want a one and a two. Um, and Because I know what he can do for a team. Now, let's get to what teams realistically will be offering. Because the reality is, is based on the reporting that we just heard, Debo wants out of the Niners because he doesn't want to be a running back anymore. He wants to be a wide receiver. That's literally what the report is, is that he does not want to be used in the running game like he was in San Francisco. Now, maybe he gets a touch or two at the running back position per game, but in my opinion, that decreases his value exponentially because he is a fantastic runner of the football. So if I'm a team, I'm basically going to have to talk to Debo and be like, look, we want to use you in the running game a couple of times a game. Is that okay? Like maybe 30, 32 carries a season kind of thing. And then playoffs, you know, maybe add a couple more here and there. Um, now, is Debo a good wide receiver? And could you use him in a short passing game to kind of get him the ball quickly to become a runner? A hundred percent. And if I was a team that was looking for a piece like Debo on offense, that's what, how I would use him. Short slants, kind of like you use Tyree Kill in Kansas City. Hit him with a short little five-yard slant and let him outrun everybody. Or in Debo's case, run everybody over. No, it's not a running game, but man, oh man, you could use him in the passing short passing game and let him take off running down the field. Teams that I think would be interesting for him to go to. Rich brought one up, and it was the Baltimore Ravens. That would be crazy to see. Now, obviously, you can't use him in the running game, so all these like you know handoffs wouldn't work very much because he doesn't want to run the ball. So that's kind of out of the picture, but you could use him in the short passing game and then use him almost like a runner that you're just throwing the ball two or three yards down the field to, to get him going momentum wise. Um, obviously teams that could use him, the Jets obviously could use him. I think the Packers would be a fascinating team, but if we're sticking with AFC teams, cause I don't think the Niners want to trade him to an NFC team. I mean, listen to this. What if he went to new England? Like, no one's going to talk about that, but man, could you imagine Bill Belichick dialing up stuff? Like, I know that Bill Belichick's a defensive coach and Josh McDaniels ran the offense and all that stuff, and Josh McDaniels is gone now, but could you imagine Debo Samuel with Bill Belichick as a head coach? Man, like, what a weapon Bill Belichick would have. And I think, honestly, if they want to compete, because they're going to need offensive weapons. If they're going to want to compete, they got to get Mac Jones some weapons. So trade your first round pick, go get Debo, sign him to a long near deal. He, he fits with that team. You know, you got Mac Jones who's throwing the ball short anyways. Might as well get him the ball short field 
or get him the ball on short little quick outs or or ins or slants or whatever or curls or whatever you want to get or bubble screens whatever you want to run with him get him out get him in in motion get him moving I mean what a weapon for Mac Jones to have I don't think I don't know if they have the salary cap to pull it off I don't know what that looks like in New England but man that would be amazing to see him and man would that be a dagger to the Jets because the Jets would just be completely left behind I mean it's the same Jets over and over again other teams that I think would be interesting for him to go to uh, you know because you gotta like I said you gotta stay in the AFC I don't know I don't know of AFC teams that necessarily have the cap space um, to go get him but like the Jaguars like you put him down there with the, with uh, Trevor Lawrence, they're kind of trying to build something down there. Like obviously they have, obviously they have the draft picks to, to pass out, you know. So they have high enough picks to be able to trade them uh, over to the Niners, and the Niners would love high draft picks. Now, granted, look, the Jags have a lot of holes right now, so you can't trade, you know, their first overall pick. But you could trade some of their lower picks, maybe even picks from the next year. Um, but they got a lot of holes in that team. And with Doug Peterson, a new head coach down there, I think that'd be interesting. You give another young quarterback a really, really good weapon. I think they could make some headway because that division, yes, the Titans are still in the division. The Colts just got significantly better. You know, the Jags could make some could, could make a little uh, some waves in that division for sure. You know, I mean, you, obviously you could put them on a team like the Titans. They could trade Julio Jones, and then they could bring in Debo, something like that. That would be interesting. Um, I don't think anybody in the NFC North. I mean, granted, you put them with the Steelers. That's another team that, hey, shoot, you know, we might not have a quarterback, but we got Debo Samuel, and we got a great defense. You know, let's let's see what we can do. Uh, they just lost Juju. I think you bring, you lose Juju and then you you got Najee Harris and you bring in Debo Samuel. You got yourself, you know, a nice little package there. The problem is, again, like, Mitch Trubisky's your quarterback. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You know, if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler, we just don't know. So let me know your guys' thoughts. Obviously, the NFC would be fascinating to see where he could go. But let me know where your thoughts would be for the AFC. I'm not even going to, like entertain the NFC because I don't know if the Niners necessarily want to do that to themselves um, and face him once a year or, you know, a couple of times a year. I don't think they'd trade him to to the Seahawks. Could you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, but that would be hilarious if you ended up, man, you replace a guy like Marshawn Lynch with a guy like Debo Samuel. He'd be loved up in Seattle. Uh, let me know your guys' thoughts. The news is very interesting. I think the Niners, man – they're in trouble and they got to get some draft picks for him. Uh, but I will catch you guys in the next one. Yeah, it was added in 1979. So having said that, the game has changed a lot to where now the three-pointer is of vital importance. The same thing goes for baseball, right? Strikeouts back in the day were seen as a person that would never actually see an MLB field whereas other unless you're Babe Ruth obviously having said that guys are striking out more than Babe Ruth and not hitting as many home runs as him or not driving in as many RBIs as he or runs as he would have driven in so the game has changed drastically I mean guys like Tony Gwynn my I know my buddy Casey who I talk to regularly about sports 
Tony Gwynn is one of the greatest hitters of all time. And in today's Major League Baseball, his value based on what is happening today would actually be a lot lower than what it was when he played. But his value when he played was sky high because his on-base percentage was ridiculously high. I mean, it was in the 400s every year consistently. His batting average consistently was above 330 consistently for years and years and years. His career average batting his career batting average was 338. His on-base percentage was 388 for his career. And his on-base percentage on his highest years was well over 400. There were many years where he had it either high 300s as his on-base percentage or over 400. And his batting average in many of his years was 340, 350, 360, 370. Today, that's not nearly valued as as high. He has eight batting titles, and batting titles are for highest, uh, the highest batting average in all of baseball. He had eight of those. Today, that's not valued. Like that's a leadoff hitter today, basically, or a nine hitter, right? So that you can basically get a guy on at the end of your order, and then turn around and drive him in at the top of the order. But he wasn't fast enough to basically be at the top of the order. Having said that, like we're trying to compare cross-generation players. And so what I would say is this, okay? I put out feelers on Instagram and the names that I got back for best third baseman of all time. And obviously you guys probably have a lot more for me. Brooks Robinson was one. He played in the 50s and this all the way through the 70s. Okay? And the other one was Chipper Jones. Okay, and obviously there's a lot more I know nowadays. You might throw in Manny Machado in there or whoever else you want to throw in. And here's what I would say. First off, Chipper Jones, amazing hitter. Okay, let me just read you a couple of his career stats. Okay, first off, he's he's got an MVP, which I don't think Nolan is going to ever get an MVP because of the way that the MVP is voted on now. You have to basically lead the league in RBIs or you have to have drastically like high home runs like way more than everybody else okay he has two silver sluggers and he has a batting title which means he led the league in batting average for a season right he's an eight-time all-star okay his career batting average is 303 and his career home runs are 468 okay just to compare that to nolan really quick nolan's career batting average is 289 right now and he's got 274 home runs Okay, so just under half or just more than half of what Chipper Jones has for home runs. Now, he's never going to catch Chipper Jones. He's played too many career games. He's never going to catch Chipper Jones for batting average because batting average now is not that important. It's more important to drive in runs and hit home runs. That's it. Like that's your more important stats. So that unfortunately is something that no one will ever catch now is 14 points on a batting average the biggest thing in the world i don't think so but some people would say it is right there's a big difference between 300 and 290 some people would say that i don't say that's as big of a deal now if it was 270 or 265 i'd say that's a bigger deal but also uh chipper jones played 20 years in the league nolan's on year nine i believe right now so he's definitely got some years to catch him on home runs i think he'll catch him on home runs i think he'll vastly surpass him in rbis nolan's got more than half of the rbis that chipper has and here's the biggest difference okay chipper doesn't have a single gold glove okay nolan has five platinum gloves and has won the gold glove every year since being in the league now here's the thing about baseball there's a guy by the name, I'm a Red Sox fan, there's a guy by the name of Manny Ramirez who is an absolute liability in the field. The, the Red Sox tried to hide him in games that they could. 
and they put him in left field. They allowed him to DH, but when Big Poppy came on the scene, they had to put him in the field. He is an absolute liability. Okay, I'm not saying Chipper was a liability, but here's the difference. Okay, let me go to advanced fielding for you really quick. Nolan, for his fielding, okay, for his fielding, when you compare him to other players, okay, his fielding is between four to ten wins above replacement at that or wins uh, accounted for or runs accounted for i should say excuse me not not wins but runs accounted for okay so the way that they look at this is they look at the total number of runs fielding that you basically saved at your position per year nolan is consistently above one in fact his best years are right around 10 to 16 or 10 between 10 and 16 okay that is almost his average his average okay is about eight to ten okay as far as chipper jones goes he's got a negative appearance a negative number for every single year the only times he doesn't have a negative is when he plays only a couple of games there's one year in 1998 where he has a three which means he accounts for about three runs that he saved Every other year, he's at negative numbers. Negative 14, negative 11, negative 6, negative 2, negative 10, negative 10. Okay? Like, huge amounts of years where he has negative numbers at those positions. So, in my opinion, when you look at the whole totality of baseball and what you have to do offensively and defensively, I would take Nolan over Chipper Jones because he's going to give you almost as good as stats hitting, if not better. He's going to drive in just as many runs, if not more. And yeah, he's not going to get on base per se as much on base percentage for Nolan in his career is 345 on base percentage for Chipper Jones in his career is 401. So obviously a lot higher for Chipper drew a lot more walks, that kind of stuff. As far as guys like Brooks Robinson goes, here's the problem. I can't compare somebody who played in the 50s to somebody who plays now. The game is too different. Now, Brooks won 16 gold gloves and was an 18-time All-Star. He played 22 years in the league. He won an MVP. He was a two-time World Series champion with the Baltimore Orioles. So, yes, he was a great third baseman. But can you compare him with with the way that the game has changed? Can you compare him with one in the 21st century? And I would say no. So the way that I break this up is real simple. If you played from 1990 on, you're going to have a greatest of all time at that position. Anybody before the 90s, you're going to have a greatest of all time at that position. The reason for that is so much of the game has changed starting around the early 90s moving forward. And it's even changing more now. I mean, just look at the metrics of things. So you guys let me know who you think is the best. Do you have anybody that you would put in there? Honestly, I'm a little biased, obviously, because I I knew Nolan growing up. But the numbers speak for themselves, too. He's got nine gold gloves, five platinum gloves. If you don't know what a platinum glove is, it's for being the best defensive player at your position, okay, for the out of everybody in baseball so they give a gold glove to the al and to the nl players at each position basically what they're saying this is that five times nolan uh nolan was the best defensive third baseman in all all of baseball and he's got four silver slugger awards I just think that if you're looking at who's going to, at the end of the day, who's the best all-around third baseman of all time, 
I think the numbers are going to speak for themselves by the time. Look, he's a walking gold glove. He's going to get you between 30 to 40 home runs every single year, and he's going to drive you in about 110, 115 runs every single year because that's his average. His average is over 100 RBIs per year as long as they play as many games as they did. He's got 130, 133, 130, 110, 118, 26 on the down year when they only played 70 games, and he only played 48 of those games. And then 105 with his first year in St. Louis. And now in his second year in St. Louis, he's already got 14. And they've only played 10 games. So obviously, he's not going to average more RBIs than there are games for the rest of the season. But he's got one home run out of every two games right now that they play. I mean, I don't see him hitting any less than 30 to 40 home runs. And I don't see him driving in any less than 100 RBIs, which at that pace for the next, you could forecast it out, six years, he's probably going to be the same numbers. He's going to easily pass Chipper Jones on RBIs and home runs. I think he'll be the best and the greatest third baseman of all time. Let me know what you guys disagree with. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts.